know, as we uh, continue our focus series, you know, we've been talking about some really cool concepts here, and people are really getting unlocked and freed up, and even after last Sunday, just the comments and text and emails and communication of how God is freeing so many people, it just thrills my heart to see people responding to the gospel. But as we continue our focus series, I wanted to talk about life today. And I thought, what a great one, Forrest Gump. You know, Mama always said, life's like a box of chocolates. And, and you hear people use all kinds of crazy cliches when it comes to metaphors regarding life. I've heard people say this, man, hey, dude, our life is a circus right now. You ever heard that one right there? Our life is a circus. I mean, it's crazy. It's one act after another. I'm like, yeah, or man, my life is a roller coaster right now. I mean, there's so many peaks and valleys and things that are going on. It's crazy. And people will use a, a metaphor like our life is like a carousel. I mean, we're just kind of going around in circles and occasionally there's a little up and a little down and our life is like a deck of cards. Yeah, you got to play the hand you were dealt, bro. You ever hear those kind of things? Life. What is life? That's where we're going to go today and try to bring some focus and understanding of the meaning and the relevance of life. James chapter 4. I like this passage here. It says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? How, how, how do you know what your life's going to be like tomorrow? He goes on to say, your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. How, how do you really know what life is going to look like? Your life is a gift. Uh, the very breath that you have is a gift, but you can't boast about it. You, you don't really know what life's going to bring your way from day to day. And, and that's the emphasis. You know, one of the best ways to understand other people is to ask them this question. How do you see your life? I mean, you want to start just a conversation and, and gain some insight or understanding in how a person's wired. Look at them and go, how, how, how do you see your life? Steve Jobs, the Apple computer genius, said this. He said, when you grow up, you tend to get told that the world is the way it is and your life is just to live inside the world. Try not to bash into the walls too much. Try to have a nice family. Have fun. Save a little money. He goes, that's a very limited life. But listen to the premise of reasoning that Steve's, uh, Steve Jobs came from. He said, life can be so much broader. Once you discover one simple fact, here's what he said. Everything around you that you called life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. I'm like, really? Everything you see and everything you experience was made up by people? I mean, what a postmodern statement. He goes on to say, you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. And once you learn that principle, life will never be the same for you. Here's the reality. How do you see life? If I ask you to write down on a piece of paper, describe life, give me a metaphor regarding life, what would you write? Because oftentimes we don't see things the way they really are. We see things for the way we are. According to where we're at and what we're going through can cause us to give certain descriptions in regards to life. I remember back in my BC days, before Christ days, uh, some of my buddies would say, life is a party, dude. Yeah, fast times at Ridgemont. How's that going for you right there? But if life is a party, everything you do in life is going to be about having fun. 
Some people would say, no, life is a race. It's a race. And if it's a race, speed and being in a hurry is a, oftentimes going to be the manifestation out of your life. Some people would say, no, life is a game and, and life is a battle. And you see people that describe life that way. And so winning is valued by that person. How do you describe life? What is life? Let's pause. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would give us clarity today as we ponder this concept of life. I pray that you would speak to each and every heart in this room, the people that would watch this on video, the people that would listen to it on podcast. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would illuminate us and that transformation would happen as a result of what you do. In Christ's name, amen. I want to dive into a variety of scripture with you, and I want you to ponder this with me today. Romans chapter 12, Paul is writing, he's making this great transition from 9, 10, and 11, where he's talking about uh, the Gentiles have been grafted in, they were wild olives, they've been grafted into Israel. So we pick up verse 1, and he says, I, uh, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship unto God. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect life. I want you to present your lives as living sacrifices to God. Now, jog with me. Paul is writing from a life coach perspective. Paul is writing from a really tender heart, if you will, as he writes to these believers. And it's almost like he's put his hands on their shoulders and, 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 and he's spiritually looking at them and just gently shaking, saying, hey, I want you to get this. I want you to get this. I, I urge you, which means I'm provoking you. I want you to understand from a God perspective how life is to be lived. I urge you in view of God's mercies. Now, now, the word mercy means uh, God has extended in his grace and love incredible kindness to those who are living in misery. I, I, I urge you in view of the mercy of God. God has been merciful to us that God would allow us to know him and walk with him and, and even talk to him. I, I, I urge you in view of God's mercies to present yourselves. Present yourselves. Here, here's what that means. Present yourselves literally means to offer on display as an exhibit to the world to see who your God is. Paul goes, I, I, I want to urge you in view of God's mercies that you, listen, 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 you and I, this is a choice we make, a choice we make. I want you to present, I want you to offer yourself to be used by God as an exhibit on display for everybody else to see who your God is. Yeah, that is way cool. I, I urge you in view of God's mercy to present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Uh, living sacrifice is cool, which means here's your journal Give God the pen and trust God to write the narrative of your biography. I, I urge you, God's been so good that he would make you, create you, 
in his image, redeem you with his blood, that he would fill you with his Holy Spirit, that he would graft in a bunch of Gentiles, which are non-Jews, which were outcasts of that day. I urge you, in view of how merciful God is, that you would present, offer yourself as a, an exhibit on display to the world to see that your God's really good and redemptive, that you would give him the pen to write the narrative of your biography I urge you to present yourselves as living sacrifices. And you can crawl off the altar anytime you want to. You don't have to stay there, but in view of God's mercy, would you stay there with God and trust God to use you and do something in you? I urge you to present your lives, the very breath and essence that you have. We're going to build on this as living sacrifices. And then he says, do not be conformed to the world. Do not be shaped to the passions and fashions of the world. Whatever the world is saying is cool, don't don't be conformed. Don't let the world mold you and shape you into what the world says is right. But, 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 but be transformed, metamorpho, metamorpho, metamorphosis, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing your mind, meaning uh, there's a lot of bad files I've got to defrag. There's a lot of bad files that need to be deleted. I, I came out of the world and was being conformed to the world with the passions and fashions of the world. But God is inviting me to know him in spirit and in truth. And so as I move into truth, God is wanting to transform. He's wanting to metamorpho my mind. He's wanting to renovate, restore my mind. He says, and, and when you let him do that, Then you'll start to know the will of God. God's will is not lost. I'm praying for God's will. It ain't lost. Then you'll know what God's good will is. His acceptable will is. His perfect will is. Then you'll know how to live life that's pleasing, productive, and purposeful. When you give him the pen and view of his mercies, you'll go, yes. That's the secret to life. How how many people want to live a productive, powerful life under God? Yeah, so if we get this right here, it starts to lay the foundation. Now, I want to hit two major thoughts as we present ourselves unto God is living sacrifices for him to pen the narrative of our biography. Two major themes really jump off the pages of Scripture when I study it when it comes to life. Life is a test, and life is a trust. Life is a test, the Bible says. So God, throughout the pages of Scripture, and even in our narratives today, God allows people to be tested. Our character, our faith, our obedience, our love, our loyalty— let no one say when he's being tempted, enticed to do wrong, he's being tempted by God. God doesn't tempt. But God tests us as we go through life. God allows us to experience various tests. So when you study the word test or the word trial, and, and there's other words like refining fire that God allows us to go through, those words are mentioned over 200 times in the scripture. I'm like, I, I need to pay attention to that. Over 200 times, God says he's going to allow your life to go through tests 
and trials and to be refined. God, God is wanting to do something like radically transforming inside of you, so he's going to allow you to go through tests. Now, when you study scripture, Abraham went through a test. Uh, God blessed him and Sarah, and they were able to have a son that we know as Isaac. And he goes, I want you to take Isaac, this dude. I know you love him. He's your son. But I want you to take him up and offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham, by faith, trusted God, but it was a test. This dude, Jacob, was a deceiver and liar, and God changes his name to Israel. But Jacob, he meets this chick, Rachel, and he's like, man, I'm digging her. And so he wants to marry her, and the father says, you're going to have to work for seven years to get her. So he works seven years, and after the seven years, he slides Leah. They said she was a homely-looking girl. She wasn't bringing it like Rachel was. So Jacob gets Leah, and then the dad goes, i tell you what, you work another seven years, I'll let you have Rachel. He went through a test, and he stayed there another seven years so that he could get uh, Rachel. Adam and Eve were tested. They were in the garden, and God allowed them to go through tests. Uh, David, we know he jacked it up with Bathsheba when he was tempted and enticed to do wrong, but when you study the pages of Scripture, David, he passed so many of these tests. Ruth did. Daniel did. Joseph, even when Potiphar's wife was trying to hit on him, it says he refused. So you're going to experience tests in life. Everybody game with what I'm saying. Come on. Dialogue, baby, not monologue this morning. So life is filled with tests. And here's what I want you to know. Character is revealed and character is developed as we go through these tests. 200 times, test, trials, refining. So, so test is a good thing for us. God loves us enough to allow us to experience these various tests. So you're going to go through various tests. You'll, you'll have tests with people and, and, and problems, success, it tests us, conflict, uh, illnesses, disappointment. I see some people almost lose their salvation over the weather. Why are you so downcast? It's raining outside. Can I tell you something? It's raining on everybody, not just you. Quit being so narcissistic and taking everything personal. You you ever seen that? But we go through tests. Unmet promises. Man, I promise you I'm going to do this. They don't show up. Test. Unanswered prayers. I've been praying to God for so long and he won't answer my prayer. No, you've been praying not for... To God, you've been praying that the outcome would be what you want the outcome to be. You start praying to God, he'll get your will lined up with his will. But a lot of times people going through the test of unanswered prayer, I've been there. Oh God, I tell you what, if you really love me, you're going to heal my arm. No, I really love you. It doesn't mean your arm's going to be healed, homie. I mean, you know, we start to make conclusions that are inconsistent with God. And I start looking through this like criticism. Man, that's a test. Tragedy. I was looking at the couple this morning that their little boy was born last December and they're sitting right here and that little baby lived like 24 days and died. And that was a test for them. It was a tragedy. It was a crisis. And so God's going to allow you to go through tests because he loves you. He wants to develop and perfect and mature faith inside of you. Now, here, here, here's this. Here, here's this. 
on the screen. This is going to declare it strong. But God empowers you to pass the test. Whatever test you're going through, God will empower you to pass the test. He never allows the test that you face to be greater than the grace that he gives. Now, I need to rest in that. God will empower me to pass whatever test I'm going through. He never allows the test to be greater than his grace. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has taken you, but such is common to man. God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. With every temptation, God will make a way for you to escape. New Living Translation, check this one out. The temptations and the tests and trials in your life are no different than what others are experiencing. You ain't the only one going through it. Which means you're not in it by yourself. We're all in a fallen world. God is all about developing and maturing our faith. So when you go through it, he goes, everybody else is going to experience some setbacks and heartaches. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God ain't changing. God is dependable. God is trustworthy. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. God is faithful. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure it. Is that not comforting? That God will grace me and empower me with the strength that I need to pass the test. Now, the lie from hell is God will never give you more than you can handle. Save it. God will always give you more than you can handle it because if you could handle it, you wouldn't need him. That's narcissism. That was somebody that came up with a cool cliche that thought, hey, man, I'll sell it to the world. God's going to let us go through more than we can handle, but he will never let us go through more than he can handle in us. So whatever you're going through today, whatever test you've been in, I got good news for you. His grace is greater than. His strength is greater than. His power is greater than whatever we're going through. Don't throw the towel in. Don't quit. Don't, don't, don't stop. Keep running the race. Listen to what James says. Verse 12 out of chapter 1. Blessed are those who endure when they're tested. Yeah. Blessed are those who continue to endure when they go through testing. When they pass the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, here's the modern translation of the Western culture. Blessed are those who gripe when they're tested. Blessed are those who complain when they're tested. Blessed are those who slander and maliciously gossip when they're tested. Blessed are those who trivialize life by attacking whatever they want when they're tested. That's not the Holy Spirit. But it seems to be almost acceptable in our culture. Man, I'm going through a tough time, so it gives me permission to, to gripe. Okay? No. Blessed are those who endure. Blessed are those who drive the stake in the ground. Blessed are those who stay with it. Blessed are those who don't look back. Blessed are those who say God is still faithful even in the midst of my storm. Blessed are those who anchor deep and stay with trusting God no matter what they go through. 
See, see God's going to allow you to be tested just like me. And we were talking about this 1 Corinthians 13 passage. Love is patient. Love is kind. And love and love. And he get to the end of 1 Corinthians 13. He says, now abides these three, faith, hope, and love. And we were thinking about this. That it seems that God allows our faith to be tested through problems. You go through problems and our faith is either going to grow it's going to become stagnant or stale, but it's in the midst of problems that I'm going to have to press in and trust God. My faith grows in problems. A lot of times we're wanting to eliminate problems, but problems is almost the fertilizer and seed that God's using to grow our faith. Now about these three, faith, hope. Hope is oftentimes exposed and tested when it comes to popularity and possessions. We start getting more popularity more name and fame recognition, or we've got all these possessions and stuff, and it's like, where's your hope? Is your hope really anchored in God, or are you starting to put your hope in this stuff? Now, uh, now by these three, faith, hope, and love, and, and our love is most often tested through people. Come, come on. I, I, anybody got their tassel turned and got this one totally figured out? I've heard people say, man, I could live the Christian life to the full if it wasn't for people. <laughs> I will say it this way. You could live the Christian life to the full if it wasn't for the person that you had to look at in the mirror. <laughs> it ain't all these other people that you're dealing with. It's you. And, and God goes, now, I want to test you. And, and I want to purify your faith. And I want to grow you up. So life... For each and every one of us is going to have tests. But he also says life is a trust. You got to get this one. Our time on earth, the opportunities, uh, relationships, all of the resources that we have are gifts from God entrusted to us to steward. Get this working definition. Steward. Steward means I'm not an owner, I'm a steward, which means my assignment is to manage that which belongs to someone else, God. So we are stewards. And stewardship, stewardship recognizes that everything and everyone ultimately belongs to God. Everything on this earth and everyone ultimately belongs to God. Psalm 24.1, foundational. The world and all that is in it belong to the Lord. The world, the heavens and the earth and the galaxies and the plants and trees and vegetables and animals. The earth is the Lord's. Okay, it's the Lord's. And he goes on to say, all who live in it are his. All who live in it, love your neighbors yourself. All, all, everybody that lives here was created by God. They might not be walking with God. They might not submit and surrender to God. But everything that we see belongs to God. Let's get it. We are stewards, not owners. So we never really own anything during our time here on the earth. Did you hear that? Really, realistically and honestly, we don't own anything. Here's what happened. When you were born and I was born, 
The earth has been the Lord's for over 6,000 years. So this December I'll be 54. He gave me breath and I entered into the world 54 years ago. This was already his is already his is always going to stay his. So when I was born, he goes, hey, hey, I'm I'm, I'm going to loan you the earth until I tell you to give me back my breath. Because the breath that you have is my breath. I gave it to you. You wouldn't even have the breath if it wasn't for me. But I'm going to loan you the earth during your time here. So, so Psalm says if you get 70 or 80 years, that's a pretty good long time that you get here on the planet. So here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to loan it to you, but when you go boots up and go to the worm buffet and die, I'm going to loan it to somebody else because it was mine anyway. Make sense? So, so it's God's. The breath, the life, everything that we see belongs to God. Genesis 128. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. God blessed them. God said to them because God had made them. Be fruitful and multiply. He goes on to say, fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over every living thing that moves on the earth. I'm putting you in charge. Now, it's mine. I'm a jealous God. But I'm going to put you in charge of overseeing my stuff. Now, the word subdue and rule is interesting. It means to tame what I'm entrusting to you, guard what I'm entrusting to you, but it also means to govern and oversee my stuff. So man's first responsibility on the planet was God saying, you see all my stuff? Yeah, I want you to just subdue. I want you to manage and tame, and I just want you to oversee my stuff. It ain't your stuff. It won't ever be your stuff. It's my stuff, but I want you just to oversee it because you don't own anything. You're just a steward what I've given you. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all that you have is from God, why boast as though you accomplished something on your own? don't, Don't boast like you did something to get what you got. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So, so don't boast. Realize that God has just trusted you with his stuff. Now, follow this. So, years ago, uh, our friends Todd and Sonny, they had a place in Santa Rosa. It was really nice. In this gated community, the lieutenant governor for Georgia had a place there. Nice workout facility, all this stuff. And, and so... They eventually sold it. It was about a $1.5 million spread, but here's the deal. So, so they said, we would love for you to take your family for a week and just get away. R- really? Y- yeah, it's a beautiful place. Just enjoy it. A couple of pools, everything right on the ocean. Nice, nice setup. Okay. But, but we just want y'all to enjoy it. Here's the keys. Treat it like it's yours and go enjoy it. Man, we could never afford that. I mean, that, that, that was like way high end living on a pastoral salary, right? But we went down there. We had a week at the beach, and we were over in watercolor hanging out. We go to Destin to eat. And I mean, we're kicking it. 
But the whole time we were there, we were enjoying what belonged to somebody else. And my entire time here on this planet, all I'm doing is enjoying what belongs to somebody else. Now, now, now here's the narcissism and twisted thinking. Hey, this is a nice place right here. Don't give them back the keys. What do you mean don't give them back the keys? The keys don't belong to you. They handed you the keys so that you could use something that was nice, but it's not yours. You know what we could do? I pulled that thing up online. I think, man, during peak season, man, that goes for about 3000 a month. We ought to rent that thing out. It wasn't mine. I, I, I was just saying, you can use it. Enjoy it like it's yours. So when we left, you know what I did? I drove home and I handed him back the key. And one day, God's going to say, give me back my breath. And I'm going to hand him back the key. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein, anything that you have is to be managed because it belongs to somebody else. I don't own anything. I get to enjoy certain things, but it's not mine. I've had people borrow tools, and I'm like, where's that hammer? So-and-so borrowed it. Yeah, but where is it? He borrowed it six months ago. He didn't bring it back. Hey, homie. You ain't borrowing nothing else from me. Bringing back a stinking weed eater with a head cracked on it and it won't crack, crank again. Well, what happened to my weed eater? Oh, dude, I hit a rock, man. I forgot to tell you. Forgot to tell me it wasn't yours. And our lives, when it comes to us physically and mentally and spiritually and emotionally, God goes, I want you to steward that. I want you to... Now, now, that gift they let us use down in Santa Rosa was nice. Can I tell you what's more expensive than that? Is that I, I'm going to give you Rachel. I'm going to give you Benji. I'm going to give you Jesse and Hannah and Caleb. And I want you to manage and steward them lives. You can't put a price tag on those lives right there. See, see, they're mine, but I want you to steward them. You only get them for a certain period of time because once they reach a certain age and they leave and cleave and become one, they're mine anyway, but train them up in the way they should go. Take, take care of this because you're a steward of it. If we started viewing our lives that way, our physical bodies that way, what we put in our physical bodies that way, what we read, what we watch, what we entertain, where we went, who we hung out with, if we really started viewing it this way, we would go, it's just a trust. I've just entrusted it. It's not yours. Yeah. So at the end of your life and at the end of my life on earth, we will be evaluated. Listen, listen. We're going to be evaluated and rewarded according to how well we handle what God entrusted to us. That's what he says in Corinthians. He, he says, do you not realize that you're going to be recompensed and rewarded for how well you took care of what I entrusted to you? Yeah. So it's not mine. No, it's not yours. You're going to give it back. You're handing me the key back, but I'm going to look at you and, and you're going to be rewarded. Matthew 25, Jesus is like woeing out on the Pharisees. Woe are you Pharisees. And they're doing so many jacked up things. And he's just like, stop it. And, and you pick up like verses uh, 
in Matthew 25, 14 through 29. And he's like, it's, it's like this, it's like this. And he's telling this religious posse group this. It's like a master that called in some of his servants. And to one he looked and he said, hey, I'll give you five talents. Yeah. And he calls another one. He said, I'm going to give you two. And then he calls another one. He said, I'm going to give you one. And I'll come back and check on y'all later on. And the scripture says that when he came back, the one that had the five talents that the master had given him had gone out and uh, multiplied the five. And now he had 10. And the one that had the two multiplied the two. And he came back and he's like, man, I got four. And the one that had the one buried it. He didn't do anything with it. But he says in verse 21, he said his master will say to those who actually were good stewards that did something with what God gave them. He said, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Look at you. I mean, look at you. He affirms him. I, I, the master is going to affirm you. Well done, not a baby. And then he says, he elevated him. He said, you know, you were faithful with what I gave you. I'm going to give you more. And then he celebrated and celebrated him because he said, enter into your master's joy and party with me. So, so the scripture screams that everything we do day in and day out has eternal implications to it. Make sense? And, and God, God is going to reward us according to what we did with what he entrusted to us. Believe that? Yeah. So you can't waste your life. You can't just throw your life away. It's not yours. So when it comes to time and when it comes to talents and when it comes to treasure, everything we have is a stewardship assignment. Listen to this. How I manage money. This will be good to know. How I manage money, parentheses, worldly wealth, determines how much God will entrust me with spiritual blessings, which is true riches. How I handle earthly money is going to determine how much God can entrust me with spiritual riches. Check this out, Josh. This is huge. This is the question that you really got to ponder, all of us. Does the way you manage money prevent God from being able to do more in your life? That, that is a very, very fair question. Can, can I be trusted with spiritual riches based on the way I deal with worldly wealth? And God is saying, now, it doesn't belong to you. It, it, it's not yours. It's never been yours. It's always been mine. The earth is the Lord's. I own the cattle of a thousand hill. I, I wrote this down. Stealing is not only taking what's not yours, but it's keeping back for yourself what belongs to somebody else. People go, well, I don't steal. Every time I keep back what belongs to somebody else, it's stealing. I'm, I'm being a thief. And that's where he would go on to say, well, a man robbed God. How will we rob you, God? He goes, you don't tithe. You don't give any generous offerings. I mean, I, I've called you to first fruit giving and you don't do it. So you, you got to look at this and go, what's up? So here's, here's, the, here's the, the bold statement. There is a direct relationship between how I use my money and the quality of my spiritual life. 
how you use your money, time, talents, treasures, there is a direct relationship with how you use that and your spiritual life. If I squander that, what I'm saying is, you can't entrust me with anything else. And I'm like, man, I, I want to take this to heart because if I'm going to bring things into focus, I've got to look and go, ho, ho, hold on, life. Yeah, God wants to transform my life. He wants me to trust him. He's laid out principles. He's calling me, he's calling me to submit to the statutes and principles and standards. He goes, you're, you're going to have tests. But if you give me the pen to write the narrative of your biography and really trust me and stay on the altar as a living sacrifice, you're going to realize life is a trust as well. I'm entrusting certain things to you. Are you going to honor me with it? It's very sobering. So owners ask, how much of my money will I give God? Owner. Stewards say, how much of God's money can I keep for myself? It doesn't belong to me. Owners will look at you and say, hey, brother, save it. My finances and what I do with my time, talent, and treasures, that's a private issue. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, no, no it's not. No, it's not. Owners will resent anybody asking questions or even presenting challenges when it comes to stewardship issues. Time, talent, and treasures. Don't go there. It's none of your business. Stewards, on the other hand, are consumed with reaching others with the gospel and advancing kingdom causes. So it's God's resources what is God calling me to do with what belongs to him so that we can reach and teach and train and send other people into the world? Now, now here's, here's the interesting thing. I want you to hear this. I want you to steward this time, talent, treasure that I've entrusted to you. Okay. All right. There's 10,080 minutes in a week. I'm a math major. There's 20,160 minutes in two weeks, which means there would be 40,320 minutes in a four-week period of time. All right, Joe, check this math out. Brilliant. I know I like Forrest Gump, Dumb and Dumber, Christmas Vacation, but I've, I've done math. Watch this. Wednesday night, this past Wednesday, I talked to Joe after we got through with our Arise study, Joe goes, man, we had about 35 kids in surge on Wednesday night. 35. Joe, who was all in there? Me and Karen Trummer. But Joe, you need about one adult or helper for about every seven kids. There, 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 there's people, l l listen to this, listen to this. There's people in this church that serve. There's some people that walk in here, l listen. 40,320 minutes. 40,320 minutes. You go, would you be willing to serve for 80 minutes once a month? I don't know if I've got the time to do that, brother. Oh, 40,320 minutes. Seriously? 
If we can get you once a month, then we can break it down to 20,160 minutes every two weeks. Can you, can you serve 80 minutes every 20,160 minutes of your life? Yeah. So, Joe, we can build this little four-year-old room over here. We had about 27 kids in there. We're two people in there working. Would you serve? Would you serve to invest in God's creation? Would you, would you do that? Would you give some time and, and, and just energy to go love on those little kids? Yes. Yes. Teach them about Jonah and Daniel and how good Jesus is. So Joe is going to be at the Connect Center and you go, I'll serve once every two weeks, I'll invest 80 minutes out of my 20,160 minutes to invest in the next generation. Is that doable? Yes, that's doable. Last year, our church rallied together. Some people still sat on the satellites. But last year as a church, when it came to Operation Christmas Child, we did 800 boxes as a church. And the people from Operation Christmas Child was like, man, your church rallied together. I'm like, yes. Now we've got a thousand boxes, and Rachel has got a team of people that's going to be in there right after the service. Hey, hey, here's what we want. Let's take those boxes, let's fill them up, like that little Judy girl that shared her testimony weeks ago said, and when she opened that with pencils and toothbrush, it, it, it melted her heart. She had her own toothbrush. She had been sharing a toothbrush with over 20 other girls, and she goes, I got my own toothbrush. So our church is like Operation Christmas Child. We're going to take boxes. We're going to fill them up. Family here for the first time ever came up to me after the first service. And they're like, we are in town visiting. We're only going to be here one Sunday today. I said, well, I'm glad you came. Handed me a check for $50 and said, we can't do that because we're going out of town. Here's 50. Make sure you get five or six of them boxes filled up. I'm like, give me a stinking high five. I wish you were here. Giving 80 minutes wouldn't matter to you. I like the way you think. Yes. Because God has said, I, I, I want you to reach people. I want you to love people. I want you to steward this. Let me bust you up with this one. October 31st, Fall Fest, one of our biggest outreaches into the community. Last year, we had right at 2,500 people on the campus. And so we do these trunks. And we have candy, and we have these blow-ups and all kinds of fun things. We've got a petting zoo. I mean, all kinds of rabbits and animals running around, right? I mean, we're rednecks, and we don't care. We, we have fun with what we do, right? Man, it's fun. And all these unchurched families come here. And so we've been pushing it. And we've been showing you a picture of that Miami Dolphin car. I hope they finally win a game. But anyway, so we've been showing this. We've been showing this. Russell knows I love him. But we've been showing this. And so a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were encouraging our people. We need people to have trunks. All you got to do is open it up. You just decorate it. It's simple. So we sat down two weeks ago and Rachel goes, we've only got 18 trunks. Really? 18 trunks? We're going to have 2,500 people here. If we could get 100 trunks, we're going to load them up and we're going to have fun and we're going to get the love on people. But, but, but that's going to require about 120 minutes 
out of your 10,080 minutes. So I know you probably want to get home on that Monday night where, where you can watch that recorded thing of Walking Dead that you missed the day before. All right, Breaking Bad. Okay, The Voice. Whatever. People matter. The earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. Serve. Give. Steward what belongs to him. That ball field, man, Chris, we're close. And I still see kids coming over here, little t-ball team practicing. I'm like, check them out. Little kids playing soccer. That's not a real sport. Baseball, basketball, football are the only three that matter. But soccer. All right, Neil. Neil, you're from Trinidad. Y'all play cricket and soccer. I don't get it. Okay. But Neil, we're going to have kids out there kicking a soccer ball around. I told Joe, next fall, how cool would it be? We've got a flag football league. Yeah! Esposito, your shoulder will be good by then, baby. We can play. Yeah, I'll coach because my feet don't move real well. Brain don't work too well either. But here's the deal. I see people coming from across the street. I drove up here the other day, one afternoon after lunch. And there was a dude sitting out there and I'm like, all right, I don't know this guy. What are you doing? Hey, I was uh, waiting for a couple of buddies. We're going to shoot basketball. Yes. You're coming over here to hang out with us. You don't come to church, but we get to hang out and have conversation. You want to shoot basketball? Good. If you'll invest, get involved and serve. Watch what God will do. Shelly and Bobby are so fired up about recovery. Yes. People are coming. People are getting freed up with a variety of things. We're going to launch this. Serve. I love kids. You love kids? Will you serve? Joe will be in the Connect Center. You can't miss him. He's the one wearing the same shirt. Joe, I'm 12 years older. Your hair's grayer. Well, you got more hair than I do. But anyway, Joe, Joe will be back there. He's about 6'7", 260. And if you walk past him, I've encouraged him today, grab you by the throat and say, are you going to serve? Can we work together? Give your lives as a living sacrifice. Give God the pen to write the narrative of your biography. Life is a test. He's going to purify you. He wants to grow us. But Nick, when we start to serve, we believe in our people. Our people rally. Our people rally. Let's rally together to reach Loganville and beyond with the gospel. I pray that today's word encouraged you. And thanks for joining us uh, on this uh, broadcast today. If we can help you in your walk with Christ in any way, feel free to contact us here at the Cross Loganville. Our email, info at thecrossloganville.org. Or you can call us 770-554-3322. God bless you, and I pray that you have just an incredible day.